Hello, my fanist friends. Welcome to my podcast feed. Powered by ACAS Plus, here's a joke from my son. What did the bum say to the other bum? That's a bummer. You know, not for everyone. Uh, so, uh, look, thanks to everyone who's come to see the previews of Can I Have My Ball Back. It's been going really, really well, and uh, I'm really pleased with how the show's turning out. It's officially on tour now from Wednesday. I'll be at the Leicester Square Theatre. A couple of tickets left. Lots of press coming to that one. It'd be lovely to sell out, but there are a few other London gigs not selling as well. So if you're going to come to London... Maybe look up those other London gigs. And then this week I'll be in St Albans on Thursday, Gloucester on Friday, Chorley on Saturday, which is sold out. You can join the waiting list. And Glasgow on Sunday, two shows. I think the earlier show is sold out. Check with the venue, but the later show has some availability. Come along if you can. If you enjoy these podcasts and like them being free, then the great way to pay me back is to buy a ticket to a show or buy a download or a book from gofasterstripe.com. But you can just keep listening for free as well. That pays me back also. So, you know, no no pressure. But I'd love to see you there. If you just know me from the podcast and don't know me as a stand-up, I'm pretty good as a stand-up. It's a good show. I think you're going to enjoy it. It's only made about seven men faint so far. So, you know, are you brave enough to take the challenge? Let's sit back, relax and enjoy whichever podcast you're listening to now. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Leicester Square Theatre. Please welcome a man who is disappointed by what's it, what's it, crunchy, flaming hot crisps. It's Richard Herring. Thank you very much. Hello. Hello, my fan, his friends. Hello, welcome to uh, Richard Herring's Leicester Square Theatre podcast. Uh, I was hanging around with uh, Big Daddy in Giant Haystacks the other day. This could really split the audience between those over 50. Uh, Mick McManus was there as well. David, remember him? Kendo Nagasaki, he was there. They, they call it Rallister Purser. Yeah, I think Kendo Nagasaki might still be alive. I'm not, I'm not sure about it. Not sure about that, but we'll... Uh, they were wrestlers. Just Dickie Davis has reminded me of them. We'll talk about him next week or last week, actually. Um, so, uh, yeah, look, I've, I've been on holiday for a week. Um, I went to uh, Norfolk with my kids during half term. Um, we stayed in a place called Horsey. Anyone know it? That didn't see the horse all the time we were there. <laughs> Named after it. Uh, we went to a, uh, a place called uh, Roxham Park or something. Like it was in Roxham. Uh, uh, it was like a where you could feed animals and stuff like that. And we'd, and we'd gone because they said there would be lambs being born, and we had paid paid more to see lambs being born. Uh, but they, we didn't see any lambs being born. We they saw some lambs and we saw some sheep in a tent. And there was a man did, giving a talk about the sheep to the children, who I think might have been 
uh, a contestant on The Apprentice. Because, like, he didn't seem to know anything about sheep. And even though he was talking, like... It was made, my son was probably the oldest person who was listening, right? So it was five and under. And he goes, so look, they've got red, red circles on them. What do you think that means? We don't know, mate. We're, we, you're meant to be telling us. How many sheep do you think in? I don't know how many, mate. You tell us how many sheep there are. My favourite was he said to, to a, gr- a group of five-year-olds, what is colostrum? That is, that was... Because <laughs> I don't know. So that, and there was, uh, it was very good. The actual place was really good. But they had uh, a big sign-up saying, Field of Fun, right? This very funky sign saying, Field of Fun. And we were with some teenage uh, children of our friends. They were going, do you want to go into the Field of Fun? It looks, going, yeah, that looks good, doesn't it? And we went in there, and it was just a field <laughs> with nothing in it next to a field with ten sheep in it. And I, don't, I think that was... And we'd already seen a lot of sheep, right? And that, that wasn't... I felt that was misnamed. Uh, they were quite rare breeds of, of, of sheep, apparently, but there was ten of them, so they can't have been that rare. <laughs> I, called it, I called it the field of disappointment. Should we call the field of sheep or just the field? Or the fi- I, I called it the field of disappointment. But uh, on, um, on the way, so it was very good, Roxham. It's worth it. Go to see the Roxham Barns or something it's called, I don't know. Take your kids. We had a great time. I uh, played mini golf. It was fabulous. They haven't paid me for this advertisement now, probably not because I've been quite rude about them. Uh, and uh, on the way to Norfolk, though, I, I bought a packet of What's It Crunchy Flaming Hot. Has anyone had a. Now, I think if you're going to call them what? They're a new crisp, right? They're called What's It Crunchy. I'm expecting something different. They have to resemble a What's It, though, right? They can't just. You can't use the What's It brand. It was a knickknack. They were just knickknacks, they were spicy knickknacks. I, which I didn't mind, they were delicious, but that, I was very angry, and they weren't that hot. And I was, very, I was very disappointed. I was disappointed with the field of fun, and I was disappointed with crisps this week. That's what's happened to me. And we went to see uh, some seals the day before we were going to see the lambs born, and it was, there were hundreds of seals on this beach. It was amazing. Uh, and my daughter said, let's go and sit on that rock and look at them. And we went over and said, oh, we better not sit on that rock, because that rock is a dead seal with a hole in it. <laughs> So, you know. So then to cheer up my kids, one of them had. There was a lot of dead seals there as well as some living. I mean, it's the circle of life. So to cheer them, cheer them up, I was making lots of jokes. I said to them, What is uh, a seal's favourite pop star? Uh, and it's seal, but they didn't. They, they, don't, they don't know who seal is. Um, it went on. It was like that. What did the. What does the. What does a, a seal use when it's trying to shut an envelope? A seal. It was, oh, I was doing that. My daughter came up with one. She said, what does a seal say when it's going somewhere? Seal you later. Which was uh, like a proper joke. That's, that's no good. But her best one was, what does one seal say to the other seal? And then she went, ah! Which is what they... What they so that was the best. So well done to... Uh, it, was, oh, great, it was great. It was near Great Yarmouth where my, my bridge is going to be if, the, if, I've, if we win. I don't know if we've won yet. Uh, but I don't know if you saw in the news... Uh, a, a World War II bomb went off in Great Yarmouth, right by where my bridge is going to be. I've, we tried to do this, cheat this poll on the internet to uh, to get the bridge named Herring Bridge, which was one of the choices. Uh, but a bomb went off, and it's like Hitler. He knew he was. He knew that one day I'd try and get a bridge named after me, and he also knew that I would do a show about him, and he was getting his revenge. It was very, it's very clever, man, Hitler. Watch out for him. Everyone was all right. 
Great Lamb was blown up by a bomb. No one noticed. <laughs> Any t- right, let's crack on. My guest uh, this week is probably best known for his appearance on the Coke New Music Project, oh, but it might be podcast, with Adam and Joe. Will you please welcome the amazing Joe Cornish, ladies and gentlemen. It's Joe Cornish. <laughs> Joe Cornish. I've got some Coke. you got some Coke. This is very good, yeah. very thematically unified. Was that a podcast? The Coke New Music podcast was a pod... Do you remember this? It was in 2006. Nobody remembers it. Nobody listened to it. 2006, you invented podcasts. They offered us a lot of money yeah, of to course. do a podcast sponsored by Coke about new music. So I think we listened to... I don't remember it very well. I think, we, I think new bands submitted their material and we yeah. discussed it. All right. Whilst burping a lot, or, or I don't know, whilst drinking Coke. Yeah. And that was it, and they paid us money. But I don't think anybody listened to it, really. Uh, it that's it. There? Is it still up there? Can I they... don't know. I've no idea. I haven't well, looked. Well, I'm going to look out for that. Yeah. I, was near, I nearly chose. You were the director of Blunder, the sketch show Blunder. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> so that was a... Does anybody <laughs> remember Blunder at all? No. <laughs> Literally nobody. It was like a Channel 4 uh, comedy show, but yeah. the cast were, right, David Mitchell, yeah. Reese Thomas, yeah. Tony Way, yeah. what's-his-face who writes the Paddington movies with Paul Simon King? Farnaby. Simon Farnaby. Uh, or- Ormond Meaton, are they called? Yes. Uh, uh, Nina Conti was Nina in it. Conti. So it had this amazing cast, and they got me to direct it. They said, Joe, you can do this sketch show, you can choose the sketches, work with all these amazing people. I did that, and we developed really, really good sketches. It was with Channel X, right, who do do all uh, Vic and Bob stuff. And then about a month before we were due to record, the head of comedy at Channel 4 said, no, we're not doing those sketches. (laughs) No, we're doing this sketch, this sketch, this sketch, and this one. I said, but they're not very good. Anyway, she forced us to do different material. It's all her fault. (laughs) And, uh, yeah, and then I... do you want me to continue talking yeah, about this? Yeah, I do. I want to, really for an, for an hour. <laughs> okay, if no you one's can. asked me about this for like fifteen years. <laughs> I've got a fuckload of shit to get off my chest. Uh, so I think I'm going to stop, otherwise I'm going to get angry and <laughs> name people. <laughs> I don't Listen, remember. The commissioning it. Not... editor of comedy at the time at Channel Four was. <laughs> we can work it out. We can work it backwards. We can go IMDb and work it out. I don't remember. I mean, I was quite obsessed with. Uh, sketch shows that got one series and then disappeared and I don't I don't even remember Blunder David Mitchell came up with this brilliant idea for a sketch this is one of the sketches they didn't do that I wanted to do where it was a guy maybe it's not that brilliant (laughs) lower your expectations there was a guy on the tube and he would this is in the days before mobile phones when someone was reading a, 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 a newspaper on the tube this character would just look over the person's shoulder and suck all the words off the page with his eyes. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. good. I thought that was good. But that, that was really good. That wasn't, that wasn't allowed. Too expensive. Yeah. Uh, I heard you on Radio 2 the other day. Oh, yes. Talking to uh, Claudia Winkleman about omelettes for a very long time. <laughs> That was her, yeah, yeah, that was her it's thing. a lot of, lot of talking about omelettes. Yeah. It well, was that's good. the sort of thing that goes down well on radio, too. I enjoyed it. Yeah. Do you want to talk about omelettes for ages? <laughs> I think I'm all omeletted out. <laughs> she, I did a bad thing on that show. She, her voice went funny <laughs> while she was talking, and she accidentally sort of went cockney. Right. <laughs> and my 
piss take brain immediately said, I'll make a comment about that. <laughs> like, say, Cla Claudia, well, I didn't know I was on the world's first Cockney radio show or something. <laughs> but I took too long to say it. Do you know what I mean? She carried on talking, but I still said it. Yeah. <laughs> so it felt like I was being quite rude. That I got the timing wrong. And yeah. I was sitting next to the text screen, so I could <laughs> see all the text. And all these texts started texts started coming in going uh who is this asshole being rude <laughs> rude to our claudia yeah you must be so i thought claudia. oh man this was only about three minutes into the interview and I thought, oh, fuck. <laughs> i'm on shaky ground so it, my omelet talk was probably like anxiety driven <laughs> and you talked about uh pil tin of pilchards and you said uh or opening a tin of no, that was yeah, the, the other person. I can't believe we're the other oh, no, we're rehearsing in the car. Claudia Winkleman's daytime radio this. 2 material. This is important. <laughs> you were talking about opening a can of sardines. No, that was the core. Yeah, who we had you to... were talking about it, and you said, and right. then you're left with that annoying circular bit of metal. But it's a square bit of metal. It's a rectangular bit of metal. You look, like an, you look like an idiot. Well, you like I eat person very who wasn't, you Listen, weren't... Fortnum and Mason pilchers <laughs> come in a circular tin. <laughs> good uh i'd be happy to talk about omelets but we won't uh, talk about that anymore um we'll move on uh look i've been watching um uh, lockwood and company and co really Do, can i yeah. call it lockwood you and company it, yeah That's, yeah can. <laughs> uh, which is this fantastic new show on netflix we think we mentioned it last time you were here that you were in sort of development with it i'd never heard of the books uh, it's, do you want yeah. to tell us a little bit about... Uh, yeah, you what? know, this, isn't, this appearance isn't officially part of my Lockwood & Co. promotion. It is, it is. Is it? Yeah. Is it? So I don't need to talk about you it. You don't need to talk about it. Uh, but it's a show on Netflix. Yeah. Uh, it's a supernatural... I'm doing it now. It's a supernatural... Supernatural? Supernatural action-adventure show set in a world where ghosts... There's a plague of ghosts. They can kill you if they touch you. Uh, young people can detect them before older people. So agencies have been set up where young people are sent into combat with ghosts, yeah. armed with iron and all the and salt and all these sort of base materials that repel ghosts. Cool. Uh, it went straight into uh, number one in the I world. Saw, I saw. Yeah. Didn't stay there for very long. <laughs> um, something called Ginny and Georgia. My, uh, my wife watches that. I know, it's like wife bait. Yeah. <laughs> we, there's nothing we can do about that. There's more wives watching telly than teenagers, right? <laughs> right, Because yeah. they're more depressed and indolent. <laughs> I don't know what indolent means, but it sounds right. It's a, it's a really uh, high concept, and, and the, it looks like a big budget. What does, what does indolent mean? Indolent means... Oh, yeah, lazy. okay, there you go. I wouldn't have gone for lazy, is that right? A lot of people have said that. Interesting. You learn stuff in this show. That's what I like. From the, the audience went through a period of being really smart. You could ask them anything, and it was like Wikipedia. They would know exactly straight away. Then they went, for a few years, they went quite stupid, you'd ask them. And now it looks like they're going and heading back to yeah. being smart again. Because they got, they got about five or six of them got that. That's very impressive. Yeah, that's pretty good. It's, um... Uh, is, do you think there's a sort of... Uh, uh, what's what happened? COVID nineteen, that thing. Remember, is there is there an element of that a sort of invisible force that can kill people? I don't know. I hesitate to draw that parallel because yeah. I don't think anyone wants to hear about that anymore, do they? <laughs> like, it's the last thing you want to hear about. There's a show somewhere. I don't know. I don't know what it's called, but apparently there's a show on TV right now where you can see the elastic indentations on the actors' cheeks. Oh, right. From yeah, <laughs> because they've just took their masks off just before. 
But we did make it during all that yeah. stuff. But, but, you know, it's a very populated show full of fights and explosions and chases yeah. and close physical proximity. So there's no, uh, there's no... I hope you can't tell that we shot it during that. No, you can't in that in that sense. Uh, it was, it, I saw Nigel Planer was. Uh, yeah, he's playing, in it. it was, was he's in, in episode three. Yeah, yeah, that was exciting. Yeah, how how was that? Were you him. a big Were you a big young ones? Yeah, massive young ones fan. I presume yeah. so. Yeah, yeah, but so much so that I just want him to be Neil all the time. <laughs> uh, and and you know he's got that thing where with a lot of great comic actors, part of their most famous character is them. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And you, when you meet them, you think, you know, you can't really separate who they are from the character because you never saw them as a normal person. You yeah. only ever saw them as the character. <laughs> like, I remember when I first met Harry Hill. He has some little twitches in real life. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I thought, ha! Oh. <laughs> That's, uh, do you know what I mean? And that can happen quite a lot with famous people. Yeah. Um, and that was certainly the case with Nigel Planer. He had a couple of little... Nihilisms, you know, slightly going like that every now and then. <laughs> he's more like he's. I mean, I, I love him, and I've talked to him on this podcast. He's 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 quite like Nicholas Craig, I think, in in real life, which was the act character. Do you, do you remember the act character? Yeah, not as well as I remember right. the young ones. Yeah. No, but it's so it's a very good character. I, yeah. I, I encouraged him to bring it back, uh, and I think he did and didn't work. Uh, so <laughs> no, I don't know if it did or not. Um, so yeah, it's uh, it, it, it's. It's a big budget, right, though, for, for Netflix. There's a lot of effects, but did you have to... Yes. I read something where you said you had to kind of, you know, write it so that those effects didn't come up too often. The I, I, come I direct up. the first and the last episode, yeah. so I put all the effects in my episodes. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no, we, it, we do pretty well, yeah. but the, the thing with those things is to hide them, you know, to the less you see them. It's the old Jaws thing, isn't it? The less yeah. you see the shark, the scarier it is. So it's better to withhold them unless you're in a fight sequence, because the clever thing about Lockwood & Co. is it's all the stuff you would expect from a supernatural scenario, but then you get in these combat situations, because iron swords can disperse the ghosts. So you can't really hide a ghost that you're fighting with. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, so we, we're just uh, ingenious about how we use the money. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Have you ever Take seen... Take my word for you, it. Have you ever seen a ghost in real life? No. No, I haven't. Uh, I haven't. I've, I'm scared of ghosts. Yeah, and I was terrified be. as a kid. Yeah. I spent most of my childhood afraid of yes. the supernatural and the paranormal. Yeah. Because anyone who grew up in the 70s and 80s will remember that it was a time of fear and danger <laughs> and a time of risk, you know, when yeah. there was less protection for children. <laughs> I mean, this stupid Roald Dahl story that's in the news at the moment, that's an example of um, how culture is being a little bit sort of cosseted. And it certainly wasn't when we were young. That seemed to be terrifying shit at yeah. every turn. And I, I had a big... Um, I had that book, the Osborne book of the supernatural. Yeah, do you remember yeah, that? I do. They had three or four different issues, one on ghosts, one on monsters, one on UFOs. Yes. Uh, and they were... They, to me, they just looked like books of facts <laughs> they really did they, it's not as if they were in the bullshit section in the library they were just in the library which yeah. was a place of information yeah so i believed it i thought okay well, at some point in my life i'm gonna have to deal with these things so Osborne books have kindly presented me with manuals to deal with a vampire attack a, pol a poltergeist attack 
<laughs> but if I go on holiday in Saskatchewan, <laughs> not that I'd get there pronouncing it like that, then I'd have to deal with Bigfoot. Yeah. So now I'm, as an adult, I'm armed with all this knowledge. <laughs> have you ever seen the Bigfoot? No, but no. you know I'm obsessed with Bigfoot. Yeah, are you? Yeah, I genuinely love Bigfoot. And uh, I've met someone who knew someone who saw it. <laughs> well, listen, in the world of Bigfoot, that is impressive. That is really good. Because he's very is hard it, to... Is it Brian Blessed? very hard to get in touch with. <laughs> now, don't start being silly about Bigfoot. It's a very serious subject. It's one of my questions I ask everyone. And I know. Usually people I know, say and no. I've been waiting for you to ask um, it to me for so years. So you've seen... <laughs> and I'm so happy we've got yeah. onto it so early in the <laughs> session. You thought omelettes was bad. What about Bigfoot eating an omelette? Do you think that? Do you think? Do you think Big well, would he eat an omelette? Well, who knows? No, he'd fucking murder the chef. Is <laughs> <laughs> what he'd do. My Bigfoot is very, very violent and, yeah. and, and, and primeval. But this guy, when me and Adam did Glastonbury for the BBC uh, for Six Music, we met. There was a Canadian technician. And we were driving... It's frightening. I heard someone, <laughs> I heard someone whimper because this is going to get scary. That doesn't count as a Bigfoot. Yeah. Just a, can, a Canadian technician. No, she's technician. afraid of Bigfoot. We met a Canadian technician. Right. That's as close as we've got to a Bigfoot. So we're driving back from Glastonbury and the conversation turns to Bigfoot. <laughs> as it does when you're driving in a car with me. And he says... And he, I'm not, I, I can't do a Canadian accent, but he says, uh, yeah, my, my mother saw Bigfoot. I was like, what? <laughs> oh, my God, tell me, tell me, tell me. But, of course, it was just a blurry, hunched figure across yeah. a field. But even that gave me a frisson of excitement. Where would all the bones... But There must be, like, Bigfoot bones around. Well, there's arguments against this okay. uh, sophistry. Yeah. Sophistry. Uh, 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 because there's lots of wild animals that die in the wild and you yeah. can't find their bones. You find some of their bones, though. No, <laughs> none of them. <laughs> No, you don't. There's, I, 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 there are arguments in books, Osborne books. <laughs> There's arguments in Osborne books against this. It could this. be like an ele- <laughs> elephants all go off to die in one specific place, and the big feet. Is that the right... Is the big foots or the big feet? <laughs> they, they might all go to the same cave that hasn't yet been discovered to die. What are you talking about? <laughs> I'm saying that's my... We might not get there, but if they all go to a special place to die... And their yes. bones will be eaten like an away. elephant graveyard. Yeah, that's what. No, I'm like Bigfoots are very. They're loners. Yeah, they're savage loners. How do they breed? By having sex with other big feet. <laughs> yeah, it's not pleasant. Okay. You know, if you know how cats breed, do you know how cats breed? Well, I've heard them. I've not, yeah, I've you don't not... want to know, basically. Yeah. So, cats are a cute domestic animal. Now, imagine how Bigfoot breeds. Yeah. You don't really want to talk about that on a late night podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I'd want to talk about nothing else. Well, we'll, we'll yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, you were. We talked about this a little bit backstage, but you, you did. Your your uncle worked for a UFO magazine, so you, yes. you had. You, again, you thought like UFO. You were quite obsessed with ET, right? As a yeah, I liked ET very much. As a I mean, child. Obs- obsessed with ET. Yeah, I liked it a lot. Well, the thing is, in those days, movies would come out in America like a year before they came out in the UK. Yeah. And I went to school with posh people who would fly to America on their holidays, which we couldn't afford to do. So they'd come back boasting about the movies they'd seen. Right. And so when E.T. came out, I heard about it on the radio and read about it, and I got obsessed with going to see it. So my mum saved up, and we flew to New York on a little holiday, me and my mum. And we got out of the plane, and she was very jet-lagged. We were in, stayed in a, in a hotel in Times Square, 
pretty grotty hotel. This is in 82, 81, 82, when Times Square was Times Square. I remember there was a massive neon sign right out of our bedroom window that said, Wet Dreams. <laughs> I was like, that sounds like a great show. <laughs> Mummy, can we go and see Wet Dreams? I imagined it was like water slides, a bit like Starlight Express, but with <laughs> water. My mum said, no, 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 I don't think we can go and see that. <laughs> and then round the corner from the hotel was a cinema with E.T. on. Right. So jet lag was water off a duck's back for a 12-year-old. I was like, I want to see it, I want to see it, I want to see it. So my mum said, I'm not going to see it, I need to go to sleep. She took me to a cinema in Times Square in 1981, <laughs> left me there, said to a random man with a big pager, would you keep an eye on my son? <laughs> and said, I'll meet you at the back door when it's finished. And she went back to the hotel and went to sleep. And wow. I watched E.T. on my own. So it made a big impression on me. Yeah. And then when I came out of the cinema, I was kidnapped and sold <laughs> to the sex trade in 80s New York. You found out all about wet dreams. Yeah, and I appeared in wet dreams <laughs> for many years. <laughs> see, I wasn't... See, it's interesting because I think E.T.'s had such an influence on your career and quite a lot of the, the stuff you've done has had an E.T. feel to it, I think. Well, Attack the Block's a bit like E.T. if Henry Thomas kicked E.T. to death yeah. in the first <laughs> five minutes. Yeah. And then, um, yeah. But when I was at school, we, we rebelled against E.T. as being, a, you know, my, me and my friends refused to go and see it. I remember my parents tried to trick me to go and see. They said no. they were going to go to see. How do you trick somebody they, to see They e. said they were going to go somewhere else, and then I worked out. I said, are you taking me to E.T.? Really? They said, yeah, it'd be fun. I said, I'm not going. So I didn't see E.T. for ages well that's that age when you're that age yeah. like a couple of years can make all the difference yeah. like with a with a film like that because it was seen as schmaltzy wasn't it it was just i think like we just had a really big anti-american sort of commercialism vibe oh, that's i still had it when the simpsons came out and i didn't watch the simpsons for ages because i thought really yeah because i thought oh this is just some you know this is going to be some american kind of rubbishy commercial thing because they'd also like the bartman and stuff i'd seen all yeah that. And then, obviously, I, I, I was foolish for that as well. And, you know, E.T. is a pretty good film. Have you shown it to your kids? Uh, I don't know if we have Your daughter's E.T. a good age for yeah, it. Yeah, I, don't, I think we might have watched E.T. We just watched films all the time. She probably thought it was rubbish, yeah. did she? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, my son would my son's upset. My, my son's obsessed with ghosts and zombies. He's terrified. He won't go anywhere. He won't go to the toilet because he thinks there's... Really? I have to go to the toilet with him. And we, got, we live in an old so creepy house. So when you house. say obsessed, you mean terrified? Yeah, he's terrified. terrified. Of them. We, live, we have got ghosts in our house, so he's right to be. Do you? Well, yeah, I think so. Have you talked about this before on yeah, this podcast? Yeah, a little bit. Okay. But he's, also, he's got a door. He's got, in the old days, because it's, it's like an eight. He's got a door. It's a portal to hell. <laughs> uh, he's got this killer clown with arms that extend, try and strangle him. In the old days... Like the doors to the house used to be all around, you know, the rooms are all into would be go around the edge. So rather than so, there's door. There's it a, was a it's a room made of doors. Well, there's a <laughs> what door. What sort of house do you live in? There's a blocked up doorway between my room and his room. This uh, uh, and yes. he's and he says that he sees people coming through that door. No, yeah. but he hasn't. He's an Ooh. idiot. <laughs> <laughs> He spent an hour on holiday. This is so the setup for a horror film. <laughs> he spent an hour like on holiday, he... say, running in. His, his sister scared him, so he started running away, deliberately running into walls and shouting, "It's raining piranhas!" For an hour. I mean, I don't know how you test a five-year-old for mental illness, because that's sort of normal behaviour for five-year-olds. But it, it annoyed me in the, and I can take yeah. a lot. It annoyed me in the end. 
It's raining piranhas. Shut up! You're just one of, like one of those dads in a horror film that, <laughs> that you're going, for fuck's sake, Dad, listen to the child. <laughs> the ghost is going to kill him. That's the worst kind of... That'd be a good dad for a horror movie. A, 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 a spoiled comedian. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but I don't know why I said spoiled. I I, am spo- spoiled. I'm very spoiled. <laughs> a, a spoiled comedian. Even worse. Um, I've, I've been listening to quite a few interviews you've done about your, your work. It's kind of... It is an, an omelette. Uh, I listened to the omelette one. The omelette one was the best one. Um, but uh, it's sort of... It, it's, you've always had this big success with Attack the Block quite early on, or like a sleeper surprise hit, I suppose. You know, it's a smallish film that did really well. Mm-hmm. But then, <laughs> but then you know. But then you sort of went. You've been to Hollywood and worked sort of on, in the periphery and films and around films and made some choices about which films you're going to do and not do. In the periphery. In the periphery. I work with Steven Spielberg yeah. and Peter Jackson on <laughs> Tintin yeah. and Marvel Studios on Ant Man. Is that the periphery? That one's not the periphery. <laughs> Where's the middle? <laughs> it, came, it came out wrong. It's like when I called your, your friend Louis Theroux. <laughs> Annoying. <laughs> what did you say that again? I called Louis Theroux. I said, you were, when, you were, when you were starting out, I watched some of your new stuff, your early stuff. You were just quite annoying, weren't you? <laughs> he didn't like that. Then he, then yeah. he turned on me. I've got to listen to that. That sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> he was annoying, though. Um, what I'm saying is... What am I saying? I was, you know, but what I think is interesting is that you've, um, you know, you've, you've done a, a, some projects of your own and you've done some projects uh, with other people. But it's still that struggle, even though you've had this early success, it's still that struggle to get your vision through the gate, I suppose. So with Ant-Man and with Tintin, to an extent, you've, you've put a yeah. lot of work into and it's into true, those... I was on the periphery of those... I was just a writer on those productions, yeah. so... Uh, str- struggle. Are we talking about struggle? Yeah. Um... Yeah, I've struggled a lot. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, well, it's not... It's You know, everything's massive uh, franchises, isn't it? Yeah. So it's difficult to get original stuff going. And also the stuff I do is f- sort of fantasy action adventure, which isn't that cheap. So you're trying to raise money, uh, and it costs a lot of money to make a film, and you've got to convince people to give it to you. And if you don't... If you're not a video game adaptation or a sequel or something... Then it's a bit more of a struggle. Yeah, and 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 also you have made that cho- you've made that choice to try, <laughs> you know, which is unusual. I think because I've just got so fed up. I used to love going to the cinema, and I, I realise I don't go much anymore because I'm mm. not that into. I've seen a lot of the Marvel films, but I'm kind of realised I'm not that into it, and that's every film. Whereas I've heard you talking about this, but. You know, there aren't any films now which are just... There are hardly any films which are just a film. There's, you can there, watch there's not, I wouldn't say that's strictly true. Tar is very good. Yeah. Uh, I thought Triangle of Sadness was really good. Babylon is worth watching. Like, there's... <laughs> <laughs> it's worth watching. It's kind of a little wonky. But at least it, he's trying to make a film. But I think when you're, if you're trying to do a, a, a film that's your vision, that's an independent idea that isn't based on a superhero yes. existing superhero video game, it's very hard to get that through the gates. And yes. So, you know, you've managed to do it with two or three times. Twice times. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then a Netflix show, yeah. And yeah. I'll keep on going. You know, Edgar and I have this production company called Complete Fiction, and that's what we're going to try and do. We're going to continue to try and make original British commercial films, you yeah. know, with fun shit happening in them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, so we'll see how we get on. Yeah. 
It's, but, you know, I think it's interesting for us as, as a writer on any level, you sort of feel like the writer goes to Hollywood and is having writing films with Steven Spielberg. That's a degree of success. But, uh, that, you know, but it's, it's felt very much like writing for Radio 4. <laughs> for me, my, that you'll come up with an idea and you won't be able to get it off the ground or you'll come up with an idea yeah, and then yeah. someone else comes and takes it away from you. And, and yeah, does it's something not that dissimilar it. from my experience yeah. with Blunder. <laughs> so it's, it's, nice, it's nice to know that it's the same on every, on every yeah, level. Yeah, it is. And I've been very lucky. Basically, Edgar, it was, I wouldn't have worked on either Ant-Man or Tintin without Edgar. He was... I've basically been helped through my life by short, hairy men. <laughs> First of all, Adam Buxton, and then Edgar Wright. Yeah. But then everyone's short compared to me. But no, they, they... You know, Adam was amazingly kind to me to bring him on when he got hired to present TakeOver TV. He called me up and said, would you help me out? And then Edgar was incredibly kind to me when he called me up and said, do you know anything about Tintin? Uh, and it turned out it was to write the film. Yeah. So I've been very lucky with with uh, to have generous friends. And becoming a director, going into directing, is obviously as a writer as well. Hey, you're a short, hairy man. I am. I can help. I can. <laughs> what help. have you got for me? I can get you. <laughs> you can come on this podcast as often as you like. Um, <laughs> I haven't got. I'm making some. I'm making some stupid sketches. Yeah, you could be in. Um, but it, it's. I, I being a director is never interested me as a I'm, I'm kind of interested in writing and cut me. yeah <laughs> back to ones let's go what, again what is it what is it that that because it, it seems you know it seems like a lot a lot of work it seems like um you know if you if you're in if you're creative which you obviously are it feels like, i don't know what 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 attracts you to directing because i don't and i it would, the, it's, i think it's the same as you you have an idea and then you want it you, you want, you want to make it so you do whatever you need to do to make it. Yeah. It's good fun directing, actually. I really like it. And it's not that dissimilar to when we made uh, little parodies of films with stuffed toys. <laughs> uh, genuinely, you know, the, the, the lighting and the camera positioning and the cutting, it's, it's, it's just, you know, that's the way to approach it, really. Not, yeah. not get freaked out by the size of everything. By the, you know, by all the people and everything. Yeah, well, I would be freaked out by that. Nah, that you'd bit. be fine after a bit. Listen, anyone can do it. Seriously. <laughs> but is it, is it about understanding? Because like some people you feel like want to be in control of everything because they don't trust other people to get it right. Is it about making sure, just saying, you, you're doing that job, go away no, and do No, no, I think you're silly to do that because yeah. you're always like, if you think about it, a, a director like a, a director that works a lot will make a movie every three years. Yeah. Whereas the crews you're working with will make three movies a year. So everyone you're working with is much more experienced than you, pretty much. Yeah. So you'd be silly not to get their help. Um, and, and it's weird. Whatever you ask them to do, they'll always have done it before. You can, it's very hard. This says a man who's made two films. <laughs> but it's very hard to come up with a thing that they don't know how to do or they haven't done before. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, because they're so experienced and there have been so many movies made, especially in this country... You know, all those movies I saw when I was a kid, we, we saw when we were kids, all those big Hollywood movies like Superman and Raiders and Star Wars, they're all shot here. Aliens, yeah. they're all shot here. And all the crews were from here. So this is a really cool place to be to make those films because you don't have any of the sort of swaggery Hollywood nonsense. You've just got British people in shorts wearing <laughs> Skyfall T-shirts on their mobile phones. <laughs> uh, swearing a lot. Yeah. That's all it is. Good, yeah. 
And you kind of do, you prefer that you can, I mean, you live opposite your, the house you were born in, right? You've bought yes. The, you've bought the house and your, your parents still live in that house, yes. I believe, yeah. So you obviously kind of <laughs> like where you've come from. I mean, that's a, Attack the Block is set in that part of London that, yes. that, uh, that you grew up in. Um, is it the, the thing like when you've written something, so you've written Attack the Block and I saw, you talk, I saw a thing on YouTube about talking about the cut scenes from Attack the Block and you had to make a, you had to make a decision to cut 10 pages of the script. Yeah. That just was, due, yeah. To, due to budget, right? Yeah, there was a whole, like, Errol Flynn-style sequence where they where they climbed up the outside of the block and they were fighting uh, aliens while dangling from the balcony right. and stuff. And, yeah, but it's often quite useful to write things like that because they can become sacred cows. You know, when you're writing them, you kind of think, yeah, I'll never get to do this. <laughs> but then when the budget crunch comes, you, you know, you can just get rid of them. But I did have to think of a whole different way to get uh, to get them up to that room. I, the, lo- the logistics had to, had to be reorganized. Um, but it, it ended up, actually, that's what made, if you remember the film, that's what, that's what ended up with Jodie Whittaker's character going into... Uh, John Boyega's character's bedroom first, and that's a really good bit of the film. So yeah. that that happened because of uh, out of necessity, really right. rejigging it. And that film was inspired by you genuinely being carjacked. Yes. How was that? How was the experience? Not of being very carjacked? nice. <laughs> <laughs> we were. It was a misty winter evening, and all the windows of our Fiat Punto were steamed up. <laughs> yeah. And me and my girlfriend, now wife had we just got into the car i think and we closed the doors and the doors opened again both of our doors from either side right. simultaneously and there was a group of young hooded gentlemen wearing masks <laughs> who invited us to step out of the car <laughs> um and they yeah so i just gave them everything as you do under those circumstances and they got in the car and drove off wow um but it was the thing was it was like a scene out of a western uh, it was really cinematic because they looked like ninjas. <laughs> and the lighting was kind of that amazing London orange street light, yeah, you know. Yeah. And it was what they call in the, in the movies a wet down. When you shoot at night in film, you always wet everything down so that the light reflects. You'll notice it if you watch films. Uh, that sort of, um, <laughs> that, you know, that John Carpenter, Walter Hill kind of Western thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and also, I felt like I knew the kid. The kid was very young, the leader of the gang. And uh, I felt like I knew him because that area of London is, you know, very mixed and there's lots of different sorts of people living yeah. very close to each other, lots of different housing, very cheap by jowl. So I thought, I bet I know you. <laughs> I've probably seen you in the park. I'm probably playing the same video games as you are. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But yet here we are in this peculiar role-playing game. Uh, in which I get terrified and you get a Fiat Punto. <laughs> uh, so I just start, started thinking, well, what would happen if... if I'd seen Signs, right? The, the movie Signs, which I really liked. And I thought, well, what would, what would have happened? It just came to me that what would happen if a meteor had crashed and a creature jumped out at that moment. Suddenly yeah. I would want them on my side. Yes, of course. Yeah. I would want their skill set. So that's how it started. And I got my Punto back in the end... <laughs> about eight months later with a really shit mixtape in it. <laughs> like, insultingly bad music. <laughs> and a wonky passenger seat. And we still drove it for five or six years. <laughs> it's yeah. sort of, you know, but that's... I mean, it's a, it's a very comedian's mindset to, 
for something quite bad to happen and then you you go hold on <laughs> i think there's an amazing idea in this so like in a, in a sense if that had yeah that right hadn't like happened, making material out of experiences yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. But if that hadn't happened then you know i mean i got my phone stolen when when i when i had a hitler mustache uh, and uh and had to chase this black guy on a bicycle going stop stop and no one wanted to help me uh for some reason and uh you know, and then you go, oh, I've got a routine now. <laughs> that, so it was worth the 500 quid for the phone or whatever it would have been. Yeah. Uh, but, it's, uh, but, yeah, it's sort of weird to be able to turn something Well, negative. isn't that what they say? When at school they said to me, or, you, you know, your writing's better if it's based on personal experience. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, so that's true. And I like fantasy when it's mixed with reality. All those 80s Spielberg films, that they're like half Truffaut films and half ridiculous fantasy aren't they like yeah. the scenes of uh of that marriage breaking up in close encounters are amazing those arguments yeah. between the parents and the kids are like proper properly great dramatic scenes yeah. combined with crazy ufo chases i love that <laughs> stuff yeah hey i'm ryan reynolds recently i asked mint mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation they said yes and then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Terrific. Let me ask you some emergency questions. Does that mean this is an emer- it's, we're in a state of emergency? We're in a state of emergency, <laughs> because you've just said, no, I just feel like I will... I don't know what I'm going to go to next so i thought i'd ask a question oh what is this comes out of my uh, anger about the new what's it crunchies yes what has been your uh, greatest crisp disappointment would you say <laughs> greatest crisp disappointment yeah. hmm <laughs> jesus i know Christ. you i know you i know you enjoy crisps. uh crisp dis- well every time a packet ends oh wow okay <laughs> yeah You're- i think so i mean the most disappointing thing about crisps yeah is how revolting they are to eat. <laughs> There's no other food stuff that is so revolting. You've got to get your fingers involved, and you've got to get your fingers in your mouth to chisel the wads of That's pulp true. out of your teeth. And according to dentists, they are the worst food stuff for your teeth. They're right. worse than boiled sweets or chocolate. They are just uh, poison yeah. for the fangs. But they're so crunchy and delicious. They are nice. Uh, so, yeah, so crisps are delicious, aren't they? You're a, you're a fan of uh, Pringles, I believe. Well, I like the way I, whoever invented, whoever made them the shape of a, a tongue yeah. is a genius. The way they just, uh, they can just sit on your tongue. 
like a claggy bit of lettuce. Yeah, I don't. But I don't, then just dissolve. I find the dissolved Pringle unpleasant. Yeah, of course, it, that's the clag. It, it, and it tends to sort of. It I mean, there, quite isn't it? Wasn't dusty it? Was it Bob Mortimer on some? Maybe on Adam's podcast <laughs> talked about making mashed potato from crisps. <laughs> it sounded fucking revolting. That's just like going straight from just getting rid of the crunch and going straight to clag. Which is foul, yeah. if you ask me. It's like smash, isn't it? I was trying to explain yeah. smash and pot noodles to my daughter, who's never had either Giving of those. Giving her things. the talk <laughs> <laughs> at such a young age. Well done, Rich. It's very hard to explain what smash, smash was to someone who has, yeah, has does lived it still with exist? real potatoes. Yeah. Do you remember Smash? Yeah, sure I do. I remember the robots. Yeah, that's all, all I mash remember. get smashed. I don't think was we it? were allowed to eat Smash in my family. No. I was annoyed because the adverts were so good. We weren't allowed to go to Butlins, which I really wanted to do as a child. My mum and dad felt that it was... was Below was not, you. was not middle class enough, I think. Yeah. Spoiled comedian. <laughs> there you go. But my parents are both kind of quite working class. I think they had this aspiration Up away. From, mobile, yeah. Yeah, so there we go. Yeah. All right, another emergency question. Uh, how many penises do you think there are on the Bayo Tapestry? What, visible? Yeah. <laughs> or yeah, under visible. the clothes? Out, out. And uh, you're talking about, like, the anatomical penis, not just pricks. I mean, like, how many of those penis, people but it doesn't, have to be, it doesn't have to be a human penis. I, by the way, I don't have the answer written down Yeah, I, d- I think none. No, there are, like, there are definitely... Are there really? There's about 89, I think. Because is there a naked army that gets attacked? Well, there's two human penises, I think. Most of them are horse penises. OK. Um, I thought you said you didn't King, know the answer. King, I'm just, I'm just working backwards to when I really? first came up with this question that I never thought I'd ask again. Uh, I think uh, King William's horse has a bigger penis than King Harold's. Horse. To, to, yeah, to turn this horse. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's, it's what goes in his eye. Um, <laughs> oh, this is a good. This is a better question. There's a lot of penises on the Bayer tapestry. Oh, well, I'm going to have to look at it again. And uh, it's not a tapestry either, isn't it? What is no, it? It's a, a hall carpet. It's a, it's a crochet or something. What is it? Is it's it? not a tapestry. It's a what? Embroidery. It's an embroidery. Good, aren't they? Good today. This is really good. Listen, this <laughs> this is below you. How many? This is <laughs> this is beneath you. I know it's Monday, but come on. <laughs> right. Do you have any clear childhood memories that simply can't be true? I have a memory. I'll tell you my two. One is going out into my back garden and Saturn being in the sky the size of the moon. Yes. I remember that happening. Yes. Another time, I was a couple of times, and this might have been a trick my sister did, but she did it. It was amazing. Uh, She pretended to prick herself, or I remember pricking herself on her leg and blew blood coming out of her veins. Well, isn't it true that blood can be different colours no. depending on... Isn't it? No. I thought it can be different colours depending on which part of the body it's in. No. Maybe your, maybe your parents dyed her blood blue because <laughs> they wanted to be more posh. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> A little bit of quink. Did you, uh, do you have into any... Into the... <laughs> Could be. Quink. Do you, do you have anything like that? Do you remember? Uh, that? No, I ha- I've had nightmares. Like that I, I had nightmares as a child that I can vividly remember as right. if they were real. A man with a wolf's head and red Y fronts <laughs> stepping into my room, literally, when I was a kid. And that can't be real, can it? I mean, the red Y fronts, yes, that's within the realm of possibility. <laughs> but the wolf's head, no. Yeah, that's quite scary. No, I don't think so. Do you so. think the Jupiter thing's possible? That I possibly went out and saw... Or Saturn, wherever it was. The they one were with the, the rings. What is it? Explain it again, please. I went into the garden and there was, in the sky, 
there was the ringed planets. Which one's that? Saturn? Yeah. That was an easy one. That was, that was, but that one was beneath you. <laughs> like the size of the moon in the sky, and I was in the back. But, like, why would I be in the back garden no, at night time? Yeah, that's not possible. Unless you, uh, yeah, unless you, uh, I don't know. No, that's not possible. No. I remember it. Unless you had had a bit of grit in your eye that somehow <laughs> adjusted the f- power of your eyes for a millisecond. Yeah. Well, Sometimes the moon looks really big, though, right? So could yes, be... it does. It always looks very big in films, doesn't it? Yeah. Like in America, is it really that big? In I went when when I was in America when I was eighteen or nineteen. I think this is true. I, the moon <laughs> on the horizon just looked about five times bigger than it would. Yeah, really. it was massive. So I think it does. It happens in America because America's closer to the moon. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably what it is. You've been there, you know what it's that. like. Right, we'll do one more. Um, <sighs> I won't ask you the OGs so I promised one that didn't work out very the well. The what? <sighs> it doesn't matter. What what tune would you sing, Oh Jesus, I have promised? Do you remember the hymn, Oh Jesus, I have promised? No, no. So yeah, don't That's why that it's one. not a good question. <laughs> there's like this four. We different... did a thing, Adam once did a thing on the radio show where like you quite often find like I went to a memorial the other day for uh, uh, for a relative who'd passed away and there was a hymn I just had never heard in yeah. my life before. So you just have to riff it, right? And they're quite easy to riff for him. It's fairly easy because they're all about the same. And they do this and they do that. And then they end again. Yeah. They're, they're mostly all like that, yeah, aren't that's they? That's good. But thank you. You just have to stay half a beat behind the person next to you. <laughs> and you get a little clue in the, the intro is usually like yeah. a little a way way in that's right they give you the verse chorus they give you a little clue that's true I tell you the the song that has the best intro that I didn't realise yes for uh, I just heard it on the radio the other day the Wombles of Wimbledon Common Away you know isn't that amazing I was about to I was going to wait for you to finish what you were going to say and then I was about to say well the song with the best intro ever is the Wombles it's got the longest the most notes that's a shitload of notes it is and it's sort of nothing to do with what comes. We should we should be friends. <laughs> I, I've really thought about that quite a lot. <laughs> I just heard it when that is the most amazing yeah. piece of music. You look a bit like a Womble. <laughs> <laughs> Only because of the hair. What Womble does Richard look the most like? Orinoco? I, I like Tom. Uncle Bulgaria. Uncle Bulgaria. Madame Cholet, as sweet as Bulgaria. We can, he can remember, who can remember the times when he wasn't behind the times? With his map of the world, pick up the paper. (laughs) (laughs) Let's talk about (laughs) omelettes. Great. I, I want to try and get the intro to the Womble song into the charts, but not the rest it of the It would be a good song. sample for Kendrick Lamar. <laughs> yeah. Wouldn't it's it? It's like on really funky brass instruments or something. Some like umpire. It's not I think funky. it's maybe on those big... It's never going to be funky. It's like a weird... <laughs> it's good. It's my favourite song. <laughs> okay, I've got back to the proper questions. Um. Uh, how are you doing being you and I well hey I wanted to ask you you are going to be 55 this year you're yes, a year and a half older, younger than me uh, and that is halfway through your 50s 
And mm. I'm going to be 56 this year, mm. and I very much feel terrified about the slide mm. into being in my 60s. Mm. Much more, I realised, than I did about my 40s and 50s, mm. which I did shows about. How are you feeling about heading towards Absolutely 60? 100% fine. Are you? Yeah, I don't give a shit. Okay. Seriously, I don't. Uh, Adam gets very burdened by that sort of thing. <laughs> he gets depressed by the weather. <laughs> but there's nothing you can do about it. But so I feel absolutely so old, fine. Though. Yeah, but there's nothing, there's nothing that will absolutely definitely happen. Do you know what? There's no, you're nothing you can do about it. And you can't be sure what will happen, so yeah. why worry about it? Okay, fair enough. You're looking, you're looking great. You're a sexy man. <laughs> I know, I'd say you're at your peak. <laughs> you're funny. You've got your wits about you. Yeah. Look at these people who've turned up to see you on a Monday <laughs> night. Like, Richard, come on. You've got nothing to worry about. You've got Sorry. two beautiful children. You've got a beautiful That's wife. You've got an amazing... You've published books. Yeah. You've been on television. <laughs> Listen, you've got so much to be grateful for. Stop moaning. <laughs> And what's more, stop preemptively moaning about shit you don't know that's going to happen. I heard you talking to Brett Goldstein about how that having a baby made you realise that everyone used to be babies. Yes. But I... <laughs> which it does. But I... An, an old man... I was, I, was, I was in Stevenage and an old man drove past my car in a mobility scooter looking quite miserable and old. And I thought, wow, he used to be young. Yeah. He used to be like a young person. Yeah, but then he's and just he, like a baby again, but he, he controls his own pushchair. <laughs> yeah, he does. So but he would, he would never. I don't think you ever really think. You see old people, it's like a different species of person. And you oh, never really think that's going to be. You never, I think it's fine. It's going to be fine. Okay. It's going to be absolutely fine. You can put some stickers on your mobility scooter. I'm going to be on They'll put a ramp up there. It's going to be fine. All right. He looks so unhappy. <laughs> okay. Oh, this is what I wanted to ask you. Um, did you remember with Lee and Herring? We tried. I didn't ever really work. We tried to popularise the phrase "look at his Cornish face." Do you remember? Did you? Did, did I do you remember that? Yeah. Which was which which meant, and it came from us. We wrote a sketch that really made us laugh. That was about, and I can't remember what it was, but it was something about a waiter and spitting some food back in his Cornish face, and so Cornish became to mean disgruntled. And we used it like for any smug, like journalist or something. Sounds we'd about say, right. We'd say, "Look at his Cornish face." Yeah. Did you ever worry about that that would catch on? <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't your, think so. Look at your Cornish face. <laughs> I mean, you're, it's literally. Uh, I think my family are Irish, are they? Actually, and they. My dad says they just came over to uh, uh, Britain and arrived in Cornwall and just called themselves Cornish, Cornish. Yeah. just because that's where they were. Uh, so. So, yeah, it doesn't count. I mean, it didn't also. <laughs> it wasn't about being from Cornwall. It just became a different... It came to mean something. I think it's racist. Yeah, it is definitely racist. And as a representative of the Cornish people, I think you're racist. But I'm and... from Somerset, so it's nearly the same. Oh, OK, then. But I'm from Yorkshire, really. OK. It's been annoying if it had caught on, wouldn't it? And then every, every time you went, mime Joe Cornish, people would go, look at your Cornish face, but it didn't count. I got, I, you know, when you're called Cornish, you get the gamut of pasty jokes. Yeah. I mean, I said that as if there was another joke. <laughs> but that's it. That's the only joke. Um, corn, the Cornish I language. the Rolls Royce Cornish there was in the 70s. Yeah, I think yeah that's corn- it. It's not too bad. Yeah, that's all right. Better than being called herring. It is. I mean, imagine. It's a really weird... I mean, it's sort of weird yeah. that no one's... You must have been teased, right? Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. Mine, Dicky, Dicky Fish. There was a lot of got kicked Imagine a, a pasty with herring in it. Yeah, that'd be nice. I actually don't imagine that. <laughs> there must, there must, it must happen. 
Um, how did you end up at this posh? You sort of a couple of times you've said, you know, I wasn't. I went to school with lots of posh people. How did you end up at this posh school? If you were my dad uh, had an, uh, a mortgage on a house. Uh, no, he had an insurance policy on a house, and he tells me that when you cashed in an, an insurance policy in the 70s, you got a bunch of money back. Right. So he took this lump sum. He was friends with a housemaster at Westminster School, or a friend of a friend. And so through that person, he said to Westminster School, this was when I was about seven, he said, take this lump sum of money. Uh, if my son is clever enough to get into the school, use that for the fees... If he isn't, give it back. Right. And they took it. Uh, and I just about scraped in. So I think both Adam and me were, you know, sent there by ambitious parents. Yeah. And, you know, we we didn't really go on holiday to speak of out, out of the country, whereas everyone else at that school was jetting off everywhere all the time. Yeah. So my dad did, you know, when I was brought up in... Stockwell, which is hardly Kensington, <laughs> and uh, in the 70s and 80s particularly. But, you know, he worked really hard to send me there. And um, I'm very grateful that he did, because I wouldn't have met Adam and Louis and if, if I hadn't gone there. And, yeah, but he put that money down early to beat inflation. <laughs> right. And then I think he only had to pay a little bit on top of it every year that I, that I stayed there. Yeah. It's a nice school. I've been into the school. I did it's, am- it's ridiculous. It's, it's amazing, amazing to go there, yeah, to be like... I mean, we had assembly in Westminster Abbey, yeah. for fuck's sake. <laughs> <laughs> it's absurd. Nobody would sing. We'd just go... <laughs> and about every six months, they'd have to go, right, you're all... We're stopping lessons, and we're taking you, and we're going to teach you to sing. You must sing. But only lasted for a day. That's probably the same at all schools. Yeah, maybe. It was not the Westminster Abbey bit so much. Uh, we sometimes went to St Andrew's Church... Yeah. And on Ascension Day, my dad was my headmaster on Ascension Day. He said, let's have a minute's silence while we think about Jesus or something. And I did a massive burp. <laughs> uh, and it came out much loud, unlike the loudest burp you've ever heard. Yikes. And he was, my, my dad looked really angry and then saw me laughing and had to kind of go, oh, shit, I can't, I can't do anything. <laughs> I'll have to think about it. Uh, so, you know, it's very similar to uh, Westminster Abbey. But you were at school, like, with lots of people, people who were basically famous people's kids, right? So the Nepo baby thing. Yeah. Everyone you're at school with is... Yeah, I'm okay for that. Yeah. I'm all right. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I did not have famous parents. Your uncle worked on the UFO magazine. He was the art editor for the Buforum magazine. (laughs) Is that bad? That's that's Um, pretty bad. Yeah, no, we, we had this crazy year. Uh, with lots of yeah, lots of people with famous surnames. Yeah, yeah. Tough times. <laughs> Tough times for Jaycorn. <laughs> no, it, it was weird though. It was weird. Like it has a you know, it was weird to be like Adam and I just sort of deliberately decided to make friends with people. Yeah. So we could go on nice holidays. <laughs> um, Did they treat yeah. you any differently for not being? you know, wealthy, or did you... Not really. I mean, we tended to go to their houses rather than invite them to our houses. Because <laughs> our houses didn't have lifts. <laughs> um, yeah. 
that was probably the only no but you know you don't you, when you're that age it doesn't it's not like it's all just like a crazy like in a way you're all the same because you're all going through the same classes and you've got the same petty rivalries and like kiddie politics haven't you and then it's just oh shit that person's got that house yeah. or oh man that person goes on holiday there or they've got that toy or something which is probably the same to a greater or lesser degree you know isn't it yeah, I think so. But, and also, like, out of, you know, I know a lot of people who went to public school and the people mainly from Westminster, not Giles Corrin, uh, turned out to be kind of pretty cool. When, when, when you leave school, I think it hits you. Like, yeah. everybody else went to proper universities. Adam and I went, I went to film school in Bournemouth. Adam went to art college in Warwick. Yeah. So we were, we were not academic by any means. And we did feel a little bit... Uh, like failures, you know, that we hadn't really done what we were supposed to do. And it affects you when you leave school and people have different amounts of cash to fall back on, don't they? Yeah. I think. Or different, um, you know, more of a safety net when you leave school. Yeah. Uh, So I think that was quite quite weird for both of us to leave there and suddenly find, ah, like, we're not that, actually. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But, yeah, but, yeah, the end. Yeah, Yeah, but, you know... (laughs) You both seem like you and Adam. I mean, you 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 you, you both seem like regular people. Well, we can't. Which public yeah. school boys don't. I, I, always we were, I would not deny that we were incredibly lucky, like yeah. amazingly lucky. But that's precisely what our dads wanted, you know. Yeah. Adams and Adam's dad bankrupted himself um, to send him there, pretty much. All came good, didn't it? When he got on telly, though. It did. <laughs> so they... But we didn't get on. You know, we got on telly because <laughs> we made we bunked off school and made videos all the time. Yeah. And put on plays all the time. And instead of paying attention in maths, we drew comic strips all the time. So it was that that it was it was the fact that we were ignoring our education yes. <laughs> that really got us got us somewhere. Rather yeah. than the whereas Louis was went off to Oxford and you know so good for he was a very bright, clever man, boy, tiny boy. Ne- nepo, he he's a, a nepo, he's he a, a nepo baby. Boy. Though he's a nepo baby. No comment. <laughs> We've got that over him now. That next time he comes on, I can get him. I can get him with that. That'll be fine. But what about the thing is your children, your, you've got, you've now, we've now got Nepo babies. What are we going to do. do about that? Yeah, I'm going to help them out. <laughs> <laughs> My son's doing the next series of this. <laughs> then you'll fucking regret you. How are you feeling as an, as an older dad? Is that, you know, you and me have become dads at nearly the same age. In fact, you were a little bit older than me when you became a dad. I, think I'm yes, older, I like it. Dad. I love it. Yeah. Simon Cowell is my role model. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, sometimes I think, oh, Simon Cowell, that's okay. He's older than me. <laughs> I, so far, it's, it's, I, I was saying to you backstage that my daughter's just learned to ride a scooter, mm-hmm. and that is challenging to chase after the scooter. <laughs> I think that's the beginning of uh, something that's going to be more problematic. But uh, <laughs> I really like it. Yeah, I like yeah. it. It's nice to feel, um, you know, a little bit more secure, isn't it? Like, yeah. it, like it must be terrifying to have a kid when you're starting out to have to do all the 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 making a living stuff is it people who had children when they were young it can't be easy i mean you i think you just make it work whatever yeah the case but i agree i mean i think the idea of me having you know like i could have had a kid when i was i mean i'd have to be 20 because i didn't have sex till i was 19 (laughs) nearly 20 uh so i could have a what 35 year old child now if I yeah, got that is early, weird, isn't it? That's, that's weird, weird to think. But it's like we're lazy, basically, aren't we? <laughs> we're indolent. Yes. Like because we we've, we've just left it as late as possible. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm really glad I've done it. I'm really glad it's happened. Yeah, and it is, but it is. It, 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 well, again, it's just that worrying about getting too old to do stuff. I, my daughter's eight, and I was been, I've been playing basketball with her, and that's quite challenging. Yes, she's better at basketball than me, even though she's like three quarters of my height. <laughs> but that's good. You don't want your dad to beat you at basketball. No, I could if I really tried. I could. Stop her scoring. <laughs> really? <laughs> well, I could get in the way of her shots. Yes. But I can't keep up. <laughs> I could yeah. run past her and then get to the end and then go, oh, God, and then she's, then she's just in my face with her hands. Is that allowed? <laughs> I don't know if it's allowed in basketball. It's, you know, it's, it's good fun. It's all good fun. Um, good. <sighs> done. We know we've fulfilled our contract. We don't have to do it anymore. Uh, <laughs> I uh, I wanted to ask you about I, the the, uh, the song was the one that I really remember and I think a lot of people remember for both songs was the uh, the Quantum of Solace one which I just and the your Quantum of Solace is up several times on YouTube with with uh, with people who've put visuals to it yeah yeah I put visuals to it I oh, took it down though when I got that job on Tintin oh, did you? because <laughs> and it had about a million views on yeah. YouTube and then I got the job on Tintin and then they cast Daniel Craig as the villain okay I was like uh oh <laughs> he's got a gun and great big man tits <laughs> I thought that was that might not go down well with craggles so I took it down and lost a million views <laughs> and uh, but it's back up now yeah um, yeah, I'm glad you liked it. Oh, it's, but it's like what those ones just stick both from both Quantum and Solace songs. Uh, and I, I often find yeah, myself saying Adam's one's Adam. brilliant as well. It I want really a well, Quantum yeah. of Solace, but no more than a Quantum. They said have a big bag of. I know they have big bags of Solace, but I don't want them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <But I> can... <laughs> that yeah. and why can't we live forever is the, is the, yeah. is the yeah. thing that I that I continually quote from song was. But yeah, it's a great. It's, <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're so, how much time did you spend working on those? Too much time. It was much too much time. Yeah, this is going to bring us full circle back round to Claudia Winkleman again. Yeah. Because I taught, when we were off air, our conversation was about BBC salaries. Right. <laughs> and uh, we got paid £1,000 to, uh, to do the show, to do yeah. the three-hour show. But we were working four days a week on it. Yeah. So you at least two days to make a song. And then another day to read every single... Because we did read every single email to try and pick out the funny ones and yeah. made up jokes. And so it would be... But, you know, by, it would be four, uh, four days a week. And then the show on Saturday. And you get home at lunchtime. You'd have Saturday <laughs> afternoon, Sunday. You maybe do Monday to maybe try and do something else. <laughs> and then Tuesday you were back in it. Yeah. So, so uh, it was fantastic while it lasted. But we, it, we, uh, eventually it was like... Fucking hell! Like, um, because most people who do that sort of show do panel shows, right? Or have a column in a newspaper, or have a TV career on the side, or they do it every day. That's how you do it. Yeah, you don't do one three-hour show a week <laughs> that takes you four days to prepare. Yeah. <laughs> it's not economically sustainable. No. Well, we took me and Andrew Collins took over from you, and we didn't do four days' work. <laughs> no, <laughs> which may have been noticeable in the, in the end product. <laughs> uh, but uh, we we would meet up in Cafe Nero on the morning, and and then we were so competitive, you know. So it's not as yeah. if you could just phone in the song, really. I mean, even though we did every now and then, but because um, if the, if you had something you actually had to do in the week, it would mean fuck. Adam's going to beat me. He's going to beat me. <laughs> uh, yeah. So we it became like an arms race. 
And that was even more time-consuming <laughs> and anxiety-inducing. And as the competition between the two of you settled a little bit, because it was always, there was always... I mean, and I understand it from the double acts I've been in as well. Uh, there's, there's always that element of, you know, who's doing better and, and who's doing the best song and whatever. And do you feel now you've reached a plateau with that? Or is this, is yeah, because still... we're doing such different things. Yeah. I, I must say, I, I don't think I felt it as acutely as maybe Adam did, because I hear him talk about it a lot <laughs> on a lot of different podcasts. Whenever I switch him on on a podcast, it's like, oh, here we go. In a nice way. I love it. I love hearing... I love... I love he, I, he's brilliant on podcasts, yeah. and I love to listen to him. Uh, but I don't think... I did when we were in our 20s, but after that, I didn't feel it very acutely because we, we do very different things. Yeah. Like, he's, an, he's amazingly funny. He's an incredible mimic, uh, and he's so fucking stupid. His, <laughs> the voices he does are so ridiculous. Like, I don't know anybody else who can make me laugh as hard as he can with just such random... Like, you can't even tell where it's coming from. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But just like the voice of Mandrew on that advert on his <laughs> podcast. You know the guy that does the Squarespace ad? Like, what even is that? But it's the, it's the funniest thing I've ever heard, yeah. you know. And I, I can't do any of that stuff. Well, again, both of, you know, you both, he puts in a lot of work into things that don't need that much work. Yeah. Like the adverts on the, the sponsor reads, you don't need to work that hard on them. They're still paying. <laughs> they still pay you. They might, I hope they pay him a lot of money for doing them because uh, he does do more than necessary, I have to say. How um, much do you think they pay him? I, well, it depends how many <laughs> listens he gets, I think, and how many a downloads. I mean, he does get a lot of downloads. Yeah. But he doesn't do uh, 100 episodes a year like I do. Right. So I can't quantify what he might get. Can't help me there. Okay. What I do is a hundred episodes that are half-assed, right? And probably it probably works out about the same. <laughs> I was doing twenty episodes and working really hard on them. Um, good. Well, look. Do you think is there going to be more Lockwood and Company? I like. I've just keep on thinking of Aspel and Company now. Is there going to be more Aspel and Company? Is there going to be more Aspel? I don't company? know. I mean, we're waiting for Aspel to tell us. <laughs> Is Aspel still around? I was going to ask you if Aspel... No, no, he's one of the ones... Ask Aspel. That was yeah. another of his ask shows, Aspel. wasn't it? Yeah. Ask Aspel, are you still alive? <laughs> I think he is, I believe. Anyone know the... No, he's gone. No one knows. It's Dickie Davis all over again. What? what? Uh, what? When, when, when Dickie Davis... Yesterday, Dickie Davis died, and I was shocked because I was pretty certain he died 20 years ago. So I was shocked to find out he was still alive... And then shocked to find out he was dead again. It was only because he feels like from some, I mean, like some people don't even know who we're talking about. He feels like from so long ago, it's like someone saying, Have you heard Benjamin Disraeli has just died? Go, What, the 19th century That's prime true. minister? Yeah. Well, I, I, I'm, is he still alive? Yeah, he was still alive. He just he'd stopped doing, being prime minister. <laughs> but he, yeah, he was just looking after himself. Yes. So it's so far away, isn't it? Uh, yeah, that? I do. I, I appreciate that. But that's always nice. And I like it when someone you think is dead is. It's like when Dick Van Dyke popped up on The Masked Singer. Yeah, but he's alive. Yeah, did you see that story? I did. It was lovely. But I know Dick Van Dyke's alive. So that, that was nice. There's something to be it's, said. You only find out when they die that they were alive. Yeah, but I didn't know Dick Van Dyke was still alive. <laughs> so it's like, yay! There's something to be said for the technology must exist for reanimating corpses. <laughs> For the public good. 
Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. when some dictator in a in in a, some <laughs> communist country that they just prop up on a stick to make people think he's still alive. Yeah. Just do that with Dick Van Dyke, <laughs> even if he's dead. Just to keep everybody's spirits up. I really hope Dick Van Dyke doesn't die in the three weeks between us <laughs> recording this. I mean, he'll That's definitely a, be dead while someone's nice listening to, to this. Say. Is it a nice thing? Yeah. You hope that someone props up the dead Dick Van Dyke. It's very pro <laughs> Van Dyke. Nice... It's a celebration of his vivacity, I mean, would... his joie de vivre, yeah. and his tap dancing yeah. chops. It'd be good, you know, it'd be good to still be and working his in film. And his accent. His Cockney accent. Oh, poor old Dick Van Dyke. He's very good, that... He's very good in Mary Poppins. He's amazing. He's an, I, I love it. And Diagnosis Murder. I, Someone I, I remember being like from when I was seven in Chitty Chitty Bang Bang yeah. or six or whatever is still tap dancing. What a lovely note to end on. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the, the woman... Ladies and gentlemen, Dick Van Dyke. <laughs> Fuck. I'd love to get him on if you can... If you can get uh, any dead. of your Hollywood contacts and you can get Dick Van Dyke on this show, I would. Uh, I, 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 I did try to tweet him, I think, to. I think I, I think I tried to get Leonard Nimoy to be my granddad, uh, and then he died. And then I think I tweeted Dick Van Dyke. I would tweet Dick Van Dyke to tell him there's a bit in Mary Poppins where, um, where uh, the, uh, it's a lovely holiday with Mary, and then Mary goes, It's a lovely holiday with you, birds. A gentleman like you are rare. A lady needn't fear when you are near. Your sweet gentility is Christmas. Crystal clear. <laughs> I'm not joining but, in with this one. But, <laughs> but his face is brilliant because it's like going, yeah, no, I might fuck you. <laughs> really? Yeah. It's like it's like he's like hurt that she's going. I know we're all fine. We know we're fine around you. You're in the friend zone. He's like being friend zoned by Mary Poppins. Wow, he's I have going, to watch that again. He's kind of going. <laughs> I might attack you. That's what it's. <laughs> it's very funny. It's not. It's not that unpleasant. It's very funny. So I think I tweeted him to say how funny I thought that was, but he didn't. Didn't respond. The prick. <laughs> the old prick. He's got better things to do. Imagine. Apparently than that. Um, look, Joe. Always <laughs> lovely to see you. I will let you get back. I hope there's going to be more of your Lockwood and Company. That's so do I. Because uh, it's absolutely fantastic. Uh, and, oh, that's what I was going to say. When the go- guys from Ghosts came on, I said that I was prepared to die and become a ghost to be in the sitcom Ghosts. Wow, to save so, us money on yeah. VFX. So if I, if I die and become a ghost, can I be in the second series? Yes, you can. <laughs> yes, you can. And play out, and I'll be a scary ghost. Brilliant. Great. Excellent. Thank you. That's a, that is a cast-iron contract. <laughs> uh, thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Please welcome the amazing Joe Cornish. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. You have been listening to Rahalastapa with me, Richard Herring, and my guest, Joe Cornish. The music is by Scant Regard. I'm indebted to my producer, Ben Walker. Also to Chris Evans. Not that one. Get real. Thank you to everyone at the Leicester Square Theatre. Thank you to Kathleen McKeegan for her fantastic research work. Uh, Thank you to my mum and dad and brother and sister and my wife and children and my mother-in-law and father-in-law. This is a Sky Potato Fuzz and GoFusterStripe.com production. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Thanks again for listening to the podcast, richardherring.com slash ballback slash tour or richardherring.com slash gigs for all of the information on the tour. Gofasterstripe.com for lots of downloads and books and lots of fun. Thanks for listening. Go and listen to another one. Tell your friends about the show. Tell your friends about the tour. I love you all. I'm out.